Hey everyone, I'm George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School, and this is the No Film School Podcast. And my guest today is Dean Craig, writer and director of The Estate. Dean has made a career writing and directing features that are dark comedy, and it's not an easy genre to thrive in. Not now, certainly not ever. And he has done just that. We talk a little bit about how and why and what aspects of his writing and his focus and his determination have given him the ability to continue to succeed doing exactly the kinds of movies that speak to him that he wants to make. Uh, we also, there's some really interesting little tidbits here about the people who he's worked with and how he's learned from his mentors and who's helped him along on this path. So here we go. Dean Craig and the estate. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This movie, The Estate, there's a lot I want to talk about here. But I think what I just want to start with, especially for our audience, is it's hard to get into the feature world these days. It's hard to make a feature. It's hard to pitch and sell a feature and, you know, get a theatrical release and all these things that, that you're doing and have done. And so I think one of the big, you know, question marks for everybody out there really is like, what's the, what's the path these days or what was your path? to, you know, finding this, this project, I guess, and just, you know, battling all the challenges that come with just the feature marketplace, a comedy on top of that, you know, a kind of darker comedy. So you, you thread quite the needle here. Yeah. Wow. I, I, God, I don't know if I have a sort of the, the magic answer. (laughs) There's not a one word. There's not a one word magic answer there. I am sorry. Uh, I'm sorry I put you on the spot. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. I kind of, I wish I could understand it myself. I think that, you know, I think, I think, you know, as you rightly point out, it's a, it's difficult. It's really difficult and it feels difficult when you're doing it and you need an awful lot of things to come together at the same time. So you have to have, you know, you have to have the script that enough people are kind of responding to, to kind of get, to get it over the line. That's obviously the the first and most important thing. You need producers who are passionate enough about the project. And, you know, and, and we, we had that, I mean, in, in signature with Mark and Sarah, I mean, they were sort of, you know, they were, they were producers who weren't willing to stop at any point. You know what I mean? So we, we had problems, we had obstacles, but they were so passionate about the project that they were going to get over those obstacles no matter what happened. <laughs> you know, and I remember at certain points, Mark would say to me, we're going to make this film. And, you know, and I believed him and he turned out to be right. So that's, that's yeah. How did you connect with, how did you get in, into the process of working with them? Like, how do you find those producers? So, you know, just to go back a, a step, it, this, was a, this was actually a project that I wrote originally as a TV pilot for HBO and the company were Pretty Matches, which is Sarah Jessica Parker's company. And so that was something we, we developed and we wrote it as a TV show and we really liked it. You know, we were really into it and actually HBO were as well, but they didn't take it forward. And so that was another aspect of it, I think. It was just, just I, I wasn't willing to let it go. I think often when people do projects and then they get sort of passed on or, you know, they, they, it's like, I think some writers maybe, you know, accept too soon that, oh, well, that, you know, I tried and that's the end of it. Whereas I tend not to do that, if, if I'm honest. I tend to think, well, you know, how, what, how, what, how do I do this then? What do I do? How do I get this made? And, and I think that 
I then, you know, was having a conversation with my manager, Josh Kesterman, and we we discussed the idea. I think actually we both sort of went away and had the same idea at the same time of like, well, let's make this into a feature. And so that became the idea. And then I met, uh, I met Mark. Uh, I'm from London, obviously, but I live in LA and Mark is someone who's sort of from, you know, the, the same area where I'm from in, in the UK. And he'd moved out here and we were introduced and we got on and, you know, and so, and then I, I told him about this feature that I was doing that I think I already had Tony Collette attached to. And he was like, oh, I really like this. I, you know, I want, you know, I want to be involved. And so, yeah. So sort of he took it from that point. But you know, How'd you get Tony like, Collette? That's another thing. I'm sorry to keep them part, but like going from the TV, the development. And I love what you said about the stubbornness of your commitment to, I, I really believe in this and I'm not going to let it go. I feel like that sounds like it's, it's kind of your secret ingredient in some ways. Yeah, I think, I think it is for anyone that gets anything made, really. <laughs> you have to have that sort of almost, um, you know, delusional belief in whatever it is you're doing because it's so insanely difficult and against the odds and you just have to believe that you know well despite all that I'm still going to do it so so Tony was on actually at a sort of a quite early stage when we're still a TV project ah okay yeah and so we sent her the script and she just really responded to it and we had a, a very uh, a lovely lunch. I remember, you know, this is quite a few years ago and, you know, she was just, she just really like um, got the comedy and, and going back to what you were saying about, you know, the kind of the confluence of events that has to have to come about in order to get a film over the line. And, you know, having an actor like Tony Collette is a massive piece of the puzzle. Like having an actor who is, well, firstly, brilliant and also, appealing to other actors you know it's it's a you know it's it's obviously a very big yeah it's a very big piece of the puzzle so that was that was a wonderful thing to happen and you quickly put together around her like a great cast like this is an excellent cast of very talented people and is that in part you think because she's kind of the first piece into the puzzle like you said yeah, I mean, you know, it, I think that when actors are looking at projects, they obviously look at a few things. They look at, you know, what they 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 have to like the script, they have to like the character, they have to like the, um, you know, it's sort of the 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 general setup. But it's a, obviously a big part of it is also well, who else is in it, and when you can look and say, okay, well, Tony Collette's in it, that's very comforting <laughs> to actors, as you can imagine. It's like, wow, I'm going to be with someone who is so, you know, she's so solid. You know, you never see her turn in a bad performance or really do anything that's kind of, you know, I, I'd never seen her in a, in a project that's not very good, I don't think. So, um, yeah, of course, that's a, that's a big draw for actors and very helpful for me as the director. So, yeah. And, you know, going talking a little bit about the script part, because you said the script was a big piece and you had kind of developed as a series. Can you tell us a little bit about your screenwriting process and and not just like how, how something like this comes together, but, you know, turning the series from the series concept to the movie and also making this type of genre work because it's a very challenging thing to do and to sell <laughs> to anybody these days. Uh, yeah, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I think that comedy is is probably especially difficult at the moment. I think dark comedy might be even more even more tricky, 
I might say. You know, I think that I I have to. I think all you can do as a writer is, you know, if you if you want to write anything that's going to be appealing to anybody, it has to be appealing to you as the originator. So, you know, I I really have to work on projects and write things that I like. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, if if I'm you know, that's the absolute essential thing that I have to be interested and finding it funny and finding it a worthwhile use of my time. And then you you hope that other people feel the same. And that's really all you can do. So, you know, in terms of my process writing, you know, I think I think I'm often drawn to like ensembles. I do I do like that world and and working with this sort of you know, playing with these different characters and trying to bring, trying to create different, like an, an eclectic range of eccentric characters and then bring them together and see what happens. You know, I think that's part of the fun of writing for me. And then, you know, there's a sort of a part of me that enjoys, I think, pushing things to an area that, you know, is going to be a challenge, you know, where sometimes I'll have an idea and, you know, of a scene that I want to get to. And I think, well, how the hell am I going to pull that off? And the challenge for me is, well, let's see if I can pull it off and let's see if I can get our characters there, you know, in a way that is, is going to be, you know, sort of like have a narrative drive and, you know, pull us in and be, be sort of uh, hopefully funny and engaging throughout, but also get us to a point that's, you know, somewhat absurd and somewhat ridiculous, but we're going to get there. That's, you know, that's part of mm. the, the joy for me of the, of the kind of that creative process. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, when you, you you have obviously experience working in what I would say is kind of the dark comedy subgenre, how has it evolved for you process-wise? Like when you say you start with kind of a group of characters and then you are there things you kind of have learned along the way, I'm sure there are, that have made you understand better, like if I'm going to execute this well and convince the powers that be that, that this will work, you know, what are the sort of what are the tricks that, you, that you've developed or the skills? Oh God, I don't know if I have developed tricks. <laughs> um, I feel like I should have done by now, shouldn't I? But uh, I, I think that it's sort of, you know, it, it, do you know what? In, if I'm really honest, it's more the other way. It's more often that I'm writing and I, if I come up against problems or I come up against you know, obstacles that are the feeling, you know, that can sometimes feel insurmountable. It's almost about going back to first principles, actually, for me. And I sort of think back to, well, you know, what would I have done 10 years ago? Or Interesting. Years ago? And it's almost like that, because I think that, yeah, I think that I, you know, I, I sort of discovered a way of writing that, that worked for me and that I enjoyed doing and that, you know, that felt like a sort of a specific you know, I think I, th- I think for for writers or creators of any kind, you sort of you look for your voice, and then if you're lucky enough to find it, you know that's then it's a, it's a great thing to have. And so I, I sort of 
yeah, I think I almost sort of tried to remember, yeah, those sort of original feelings when, when actually you weren't sort of, you know, because when I was first writing, when I wrote, you know, Death at a Funeral as an example, I didn't have that sense of, you know, how difficult is this going to be to sell to other people? Mm. How are we going to get right. this made? I was just really writing for the sort of the joy of it. And I think that once you have a couple of things made, then you can get pulled into that that sort of way of thinking of, you know, or, but who's going to make this or who's going to want to do this? Mm. Or, you know, our producer's going to put, put money into it and those kinds of things, which are not invalid. I mean, of course, they're things that you should think about, but they can not, they're, they're not always helpful. Um, and sometimes you just want to, put that stuff away from, you know, out of your head and just think of the pure creative. Well, what do I want to do with this film? What, are, what am I interested in, you know, sort of artistically or comedically? And then sort of, you know, and sort of following that sort of trend more than the, the kind of the business side of things, which I think can it's get in the way. So well said. And it sounds like such a difficult thing to balance between trying mm-hmm. to stay true to just like, I want to make this the good version of it that I believe in and then have those thoughts kind of creep in, which can sometimes be valuable, right? That are like, mm-hmm. wait a second, is this going to work? Are people going to respond? Are people going to want to buy it? I, I want to ask about Death at a Funeral because you worked with Frank Oz, who we've interviewed here before and is just okay. incredible and certainly like a, a talent in terms of understanding and working with this kind of comedy and stuff and what was what was it like you know early on in the career as a screenwriter to you know have him directing the project well it was bizarre for one thing (laughs) you know i was a sort of writer living in london i was sharing a flat with five people and that was where i was basically writing death at a funeral and then (laughs) you know and then it sort of my career sort of started to 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 take off or you know or or sort of to, to get sort of some uh momentum and then before I knew it, I was working with a couple of American producers. And ac- actually, the, the story is I was, I was actually planning and hoping to direct Death at a Funeral. I was, you know, still, even at that time, thinking that I wanted to be a writer-director. And one of the producers called Cher Stalling said to me, do you mind if we send the script to Frank Oz? I just think he'll have some really good insights. He's obviously amazing with comedy and, you know, someone that she was close to. I was like, oh, yeah, brilliant. Let's send this to Frank Oz, of course. And, um, <laughs> And then I got this call back, not that long after actually saying, so Frank's read the script, he loves it, he wants to direct it. And so that was, you know, just a bit of a you know, head fuck because I was on the one hand thinking, okay, well, it looks like I'm not directing this now. On the other <laughs> hand, I have this, You were like, damn. Yeah. Like, yeah damn. But also like, great. Amazing. Like, I've got this like right. legend of a man who is you know, and just a, you know, comedy genius who's going to direct my film, which was phenomenal, uh, you know, in, in those sort of abstract terms, but also a, like a really incredible experience to go through, you know, I mean, he was such a, such an amazing person to, to watch and to learn from. Um, there's, there's no end to what you can learn from Frank. And actually he's still somebody that I call you know, when I, when I'm directing, he's like, he's what I call my, my bat phone call. You know, if I've, if nice. I've got a problem or I've got an issue, I, you know, it's like, Frank, I need you. <laughs> and he's always been extremely generous in, in terms of talking to me and giving me advice. And, you know, he's, he's a brilliant person to have at the end of that phone, I have to say. So, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky in that regard. 
That is so cool. What are the kinds of things that you confront? I know there's so many that are challenging when you're directing. We've talked a little bit about the writing side, but what are some of the things where you're like, I could really use some external perspective and, you know, like I want to kind of get out of my own head and you make those calls or that call. I mean, it's, well, there's so much that goes on, obviously, when you're directing a film. I mean, I remember when I was first, the one I've, I've done three now, but when I did my first one, I remember being four days in and thinking, this is not a job for one person. This is <laughs> because, you know, you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with every single department and everyone is looking to you for, for guidance and for vision and for, for direction. And then at the same time, you're dealing with the, the physical aspect of directing, you know, the, the up at five in the morning, working like 16, 17 hour days up, up the next day doing the same thing, you know, and it's, so it's the physical challenge, the mental challenge, the, you know, the emotional challenge It's a very emotional thing to go through. It's obviously you're trying to be at your creative best. So you're trying to do everything you're doing at like your absolute 100% sort of, uh, you know, capacity because you know you are only getting one shot at this and it's a it's a sort of a finite period of time that you have to work on it. And there's political challenges, of course, because you're dealing with all sorts of different people and personalities from the producers to the actors to the heads of the department to, you know, to everybody. So, you know, it's it's really challenging in, in every way, which I think is partly why I'm drawn to it. I mean, I'm drawn to, <laughs> I, I seem to be unfortunately masochistically drawn to <laughs> you know what seems to be almost impossible challenges and so is is the adrenaline kind of part of it too like ramping up into the adrenaline of that position when you're doing all those things at once as in do, I, do you, as as in am i drawn to the adrenaline yeah i think i must be i think i must be you know it's it's one of those things where i have to really and you know i think i need some therapy to really examine why i'm <laughs> You mentioned sort of like all the different decisions and the balancing of personalities and the aspects. And one thing that I'm really curious about when, because it didn't happen with Frank Oz, but but it's happened since you're the writer and the director. So how do you shift gears or balance the needs of, you know, knowing what you intended, what you wrote, and then kind of shifting into like, now I'm in director mode and that is the past. Like I could see how, you know, for some people, those things work really well together. I've also heard and seen how sometimes those things can become conflict and mm-hmm. you need to rely on like producers and other voices. Like how do, how do you meld the two things and, and transition? I think that what's worked for me, I think when I was, when I was younger and I was just starting to write, I was extremely precious. I was much more precious because uh, about like when you know this is a line it's you know it's got to be said in this way and it's got to be said like this do you know that's Mm. how I felt and I think that that was you know a somewhat naive position to have but you know but I think understandable and I you know I, I and I know why I had it and it's partly because you're sort of you're sitting over those lines you know, you're putting, you're perfecting them and you're crafting them. And the, the idea of someone doing it like in any way differently is, oh, well, no, that's going to ruin it anyway. But now, but as I've got older and I understand more about the process of filmmaking and, it, it, you know, and, and the collaborative art that it is, I really feel like, you know, the script is there and it's there for everybody else to bring their expertise and their 
talent and their brilliance to it. So I sort of, while I, you know, I, I have the script, I have certain things that I want to get. I'm very inclined to sort of, to see and to know what other people are going to bring to it. So I'm, I'm very open to ideas. I'm very, you know, I don't care where they come from. I'm, I want to hear everyone's ideas, you know, and especially of course, if actors have ideas or things that they want to bring, I'm very inclined to try it because sometimes even, you know, sometimes even if it's an idea that an actor will say, you know, I've got this thing. And and I think, Oh God, I don't think that's (laughs) let them try one take and then do it just to satisfy them. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know, and then some, some, somehow they do the take and you're like, Oh, actually that's great. That's great. I'm so glad we tried that because, you know, sometimes it's, you know, because if they're having the idea, it's probably something that, you know, that they're going to do well because they know, you know, because they, they can sort of foresee how they're going to bring it, you know, to the, to the, uh, to the, to the take. So I think that's what it is. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky in, in that way that I have the scripts, but I'm also able to move off from it quite easily. And I don't have to worry about any screenwriter getting upset or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's a silver lining. Right. Exactly. It's only yeah. you who would get upset. <laughs> yeah. You know, another question that kind of piggybacking onto that is just you mentioned all the things coming at you, that it's a job for multiple people, really. How do you prioritize when there are compromises that feel inevitable? You know, like especially mm-hmm. this this hits people at every level. I think people think sometimes it's only on the on the low budget or or indie level, but it's everywhere. You know, there's going to be things that have to go, things that have to change, think people that are difficult or demanding, and then you know something goes out the window. Like, how do you manage or or like pick your spot in the moment and be like, this is this is what I'm planting the flag in, or this is what I'll insist upon, or or this is what I prioritize. Well, God, I mean, it it, it obviously depends. You know, it's it's different for each moment. So you know, sometimes you might be prioritizing. Uh, you know, I just have to get that line, or I just have to get that moment from the character because that's really important to the story. Or sometimes it might be prioritizing a a particular shot. I just really need to get that angle. I mean, it just depends. This, you know, what hmm. scene it is and what moment it is. But what I would say is, you know, it's sort of it's sort of it's almost funny to me that I feel like a lot of people watch films and maybe I used to watch films like this and think that the, what you're seeing on screen is exactly what the director planned for you to see. And it's like, Mm. that's not true. You're dealing with a million different things that are going on Mm -hmm. on that day. And, you know, maybe you couldn't shoot in the particular location that you had and you had to move quickly and, you know, and you have to completely set it up. But it's generally a process I find of, I'm going, you know, I always, I always approach it with this, this sort of uh, attitude. I'm going to do the very best I can in this moment. And that's, that's Mm. all you can do as a director. You, you know, you can't get everything perfectly. That's, you know, that's, you know, that's something you want, but it's very, very rare to have it. And so, but what you can do is you can do the very best you can in each scene with each you know, w- with whatever circumstances you have in front of you. And that's, that's what I try to do. I wonder, as you're saying that, I feel like part of the subtext is that accepting that the director is not going to be, is that the, the vision, the thing we see is not exactly what a director had in mind. Even for a director to start to accept that means that when they get to set, they will 
except that whatever they do that day will not be exactly what they had in mind, right? I've worded that in a strange way, but that's what I kind of realized hearing you speak about it. Exactly. You you kind of, you accept that, that it's not going to be exactly what you had in your head. And you also accept that it might be better. You know, it might be better than what you had in your head because an actor will do a line that you always pictured in this way or you always heard it in your head in a certain way and then they do it and it's better than you heard it. And then you're like, oh, that's great. And so, you you know, by being open to those possibilities, you're you're being open to the the possibility that, yeah, your film could be better than you could have than you could have done it if you were just making, you know, in a sort of a dictatorial way, just making sure you had it exactly how you wanted it at every moment. Do you ever have things like that where you even it ends up in the movie and it's never and it's not something you ever really liked, but it's like, well, it's just there. Like there was no, it's the best we could do and I don't love it. But then it turns out that everyone else thinks it's great or loves it. <laughs> and you were like, well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that happens. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fairly, you know, I'm fairly strict in the edit that if there's something I don't like, it's probably not going to end up in the film. But, you know, there's always, look, I, you know, I, I, as I'm, I'm saying, I listen to people and if, if I'm getting a note, and it's repeated from multiple people, and you know, and I do show my film to to trusted to trusted people. And if I'm getting a sort of a similar thing of you know, oh, I really like that bit, then I'll you know I'll pay attention to it because you know ultimately, as much as this film is for me, and I you know I want to love it, you know, I also want I also I'm doing something that is entertainment for a lot of people outside of myself. So yeah, I, I try to I try to be open to that. You bring up another good point, which is that we think of a director as the the final note giver. Obviously, there's going to be executives and powers that be as well yeah. beyond that, depending on the situation. But we think of them as the decider and the note giver and the, the person. And then sometimes you're like, I need to get notes from someone else. How much of a process do you put or time do you put in getting notes, feedback, and then adjusting? you know, what you were doing to, to those well, things. A quite a, a fair amount. I mean, I go through the edit and then, you know, in the, the editing process obviously goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you kind of get to a point where it's like, well, I don't know what else to do here. And it's often about actually getting the, the time of the film down. You know, I mean, when we first did um, our first assembly of the estate, which wasn't that long compared to other films, was about two hours. And I knew I needed to get it down by, you know, a good 25, 30 minutes. And at the time, I remember thinking, I don't know how we're going to do that. That's like, how are we like, getting 30 minutes out of this, what, what already seems like a fairly tight film? But, you know, but that's the process. And then, you know, so, so I would often get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of out of ideas at this point, or I'm or I've watched this 10,000 times and I just need some time away and I need some other perspectives. And so then I would, yeah, go to sort of certain sort of trusted people. Frank was, is one of them and, you know, and, and various, you know, people that I trust with comedy or with, or with, you know, sort of film people that have some experience, uh, other people that don't, you know, where I just think I just want that sort of, you know, audience opinion. And, you know, and then I get a whole new sort of lot of notes. And then, you know, then, you know, part of being the director or the writer when you're writing a screenplay is you get lots and lots of notes, you get lots of feedback and it's, it's always helpful. And then you have to be the one that basically makes the decision. Okay. 
I hear that note, but I'm not going to do it. Or I hear that note, mm. I don't necessarily agree with it, but let's try it. You know, that kind of thing. And so it's, quite, that's, it's part of the process to manage. So in some ways being a filter and not just a decision maker, like a filter and decision maker, as opposed to a, an, the, the source of all the decisions, but also the filter of the many feedbacks. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's, how I, that's how I view it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it, it depends what it is. And there are some aspects where you might have, where I might feel a little bit more strongly that there, well, there's this certain thing that I'm really, I'm, I'm absolutely intent on getting. And so I'm pushing towards that result. And, but there are other ways in which, so, so I think it's a, it's a balance of those two positions being a sort of a, you know, getting your own vision through and get, you know, getting the result of your vision and also balancing the, you know, and as you say, filtering other people's thoughts and ideas. Yeah. Um, kind of last question just to end it on and something I'm always curious about people's take yeah. is just what you think is the best way these days for someone to kind of start down the road if they want to make feature films, if they want to write and direct their own feature films, like what are the steps you would advise someone to take or, or the things you would tell them to really invest their energy in? And, and I know things have changed so much, even in the last year, but certainly mm-hmm. since, since you started. Well, yeah, I mean, they've changed so much since I started. So it's, it's hard for me to, to fully know. But what I would say is, I think the most, the, the most important fundamental thing is find your voice, learn your craft, whatever it is. And, you know, get really good at it and get, you know, sort of very well versed and practiced in it. And then, you know, and then sort of have a, an eye on, on sort of practicalities. I mean, one of the things I've done, you know, a fair amount of my career is, is I've set films, for example, in fewer locations. And that is something that I firstly, I mean, I happen to like writing that way, but it is, it is also helpful you know, because then a producer can look at that and think, okay, well, I'm not going to be spending X million on just sort of, you know, traveling the crew around from place to place to place, you know? And it, and I think it's probably also quite appealing to actors as well, though, where they think, oh, it's going to be, you know, a little bit like a play. Anyway, that's, so that's sort of mm. a little bit of my thing, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that, but just, I think for individuals to find their way of seeing a sort of a practical way forward, you know, and then unfortunately, like everything in life, a lot of hard work and, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of dealing with rejection and judgment and criticism and, you know, deal with that and, you know, let it make you stronger and more determined rather than weaken your resolve. That's great. I like the the practical, like, how do you actually intend to do this or making something you can intend to create? But yeah. um, all good stuff. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Dean. Really appreciate it. And, thank uh, you, George. Love congrats about the film and, and the future film. I know there's more coming. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dean, for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find so much more about filmmaking, news, tools, and education at nofilmschool.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And check us out on Instagram. Does Twitter still exist? I feel like every day could be its last. Maybe by the time you hear this, Twitter is but a memory. Be sure to also check us out on YouTube and you know, send us your questions at editor at nofilmschool.com. We'd love to hear from you. We answer questions 
on our weekly show, which releases on Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. And these interviews usually release on Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>